You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Big weekend coming up in the world of pro wrestling as far as pay-per-views go. This Sunday we have a horror show at Extreme Rules. And Slammiversary for Impact Wrestling is this coming Saturday. I know typically we don't really talk about Impact Wrestling enough. But I have mentioned one, Deanna Perrazzo, who will be facing the Knockouts Champion Jordan Grace this coming Saturday. We'll get into Impact a little bit later. We'll be doing predictions for both Slammiversary and the Horror Show at Extreme Rules. Um, I'm going to do predictions for uh, Slammiversary because it's there's a lot of speculation as to what's going to be happening this Saturday. A lot of former WWE wrestlers who have been teased to be on the show... Uh, potentially will be there, and I'll get into who I think will be there later on in the show. But yes, uh, the extreme extreme rules this Sunday, uh, anniversary this Saturday. They're going to be doing. I'll be doing predictions for both shows later on. Um, but a lot has happened in the past few days, uh, past week here in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, first and foremost, uh, this was something Sean sent to me earlier today. But apparently, the location for WrestleMania next year, 37, WrestleMania Hollywood, apparently it's being reported by, I believe, Pro Wrestling Inc. They're saying that WrestleMania, it's not set and done that it'll be in California and that they're going to be moving it to Tampa, Florida next year. The reason being is because the governor of California doesn't want any large events or any gatherings like that happening until there is a COVID-19 vaccine. So it's being reported that they have moved back to Tampa because WrestleMania was supposed to be happening in Tampa, Florida this year. That would make all the sense in the world and everything. Um, however, unless Florida doesn't shape, you know, shape up in, in their whole coronavirus situation, um, who knows what will happen. Uh, but they got about nine months to figure that shit out. But that's an interesting thing. I personally am not sure if that would be the case. I would think by hopefully by April of next year, we do have a coronavirus vaccine. But at the same time, who the hell knows when it will be distributed be distributed to everybody. But this is not a whole political real world podcast. It's a fake professional wrestling podcast. Anyway, uh, interesting to see. We'll see what happens uh, come that time. WWE have yet to comment on anything at the moment, though, but that is what's currently being reported. Uh, a few things that have happened in the world of professional wrestling. Real quickly, I will get to over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Every villain is Lemons. Bullet Club is evil. That is correct. Evil, a staple, formerly a staple of the LIJ faction, Los Ingobernables de Japón faction, 
has turned heel. He betrayed Naito when they had their fist up in the air at the end of the I believe whatever pay-per-view they were having this past weekend. And when it went to the fist, he went to the two sweet and knocked down Naito. The following night, he was having a match. He has a match with Naito for both the IWGP heavyweight title and the IWGP intercontinental title. And Evil is now double champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is a shock. An absolute shock for New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, when I saw had Naito had won the uh, the Double Dash uh, tournament, uh, a Gold Rush tournament, whatever the, the, they called it for New Japan this year for Wrestle Kingdom, when I saw that he was the one who walked out as double champion, I was happy and I thought, you know what, I think they're going to give Naito a really long title reign, you know, really have cement him. He's the top guy now. He's the top babyface in New Japan and fans who watch New Japan like myself want him to be the guy. We wanted him to be the guy a few years ago when he made against made event against Okada at a few Wrestle Kingdoms prior to this, I believe in 2018, and he lost and we weren't sure where he was going to go from here. But now he's lost the title. One of his uh, allies in the faction has turned against him and effectively leaving LIJ and joining Bullet Club. And now he's the champion. It's crazy to think. I think a big portion of this has to do with the fact that a lot of the foreign guys in New Japan are not able to work because of where they are currently. Um, I know Tamatonga and Tongaloa, they live in here in the States. I believe they, uh, they live in Florida. So, I mean, as us in the United States, we're not allowed to travel anywhere because of COVID-19 and how bad our cases uh, are and how, how bad of a shape we are here. But over in Japan, I know they're able to hold some events with uh, uh, a reduced capacity. So when you can't have your guys like Tamatonga, Tongaloa, and Jay White can't even come to Japan. I'm not sure if he lives in the States or if he lives over in New Zealand where he's from, but he can't come to he can't come to Japan. Uh Will Osprey, he can't come to Japan. Uh there's you know a lot of these uh top uh Gaijin stars um who are important pieces to New Japan's puzzle can't come. So I guess New Japan were kind of thrown a curveball and figured let's throw a swerve. And typically, New Japan, they like to have stuff booked out so far in advance. I don't know if Naito was going to have a long title reign. I don't know if the plan always was to have Evil join Bullet Club. But now, with with uh, guys like Jay White and Tamatanga can't be a part of that faction at the moment, it's um, it's hard. It, it's it's shocking, and I think Bullet Club was really, really lacking a star in the group and evil I think can really help at least put some interest in bullet club at the moment because they really needed something with when, when the faction is majority, a heel foreign foreign heel faction, it's going to be tough, but evil can add a new dynamic to the bullet club faction. And I'm interested to see what happens next. Does I, I does Naito keep feuding with Evil? Does 
Does Evil kind of go on a tear on the New Japan roster? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I felt it was worth mentioning, at least very briefly, that Evil is now the IWGP heavyweight champion and the IWGP intercontinental champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, going over a few things that happened on Monday Night Raw, uh, we had Drew McIntyre uh, interrupts uh, the MVP lounge and says he'll hurt Dolph Ziggler Extreme Rules. The McIntyre then drops Ziggler with a punch. So, with McIntyre facing Ziggler this Sunday, Ziggler has a... Uh, he is going to be picking the stipulation for their title match this Sunday. Now, when I think about this, I'm not sure what the stipulation will be. I'll kind of take a guess as what what I think it'll be later on. But I feel like this feud has kind of been a little lackluster in my eyes. It should be better. I don't know. Just something about Dolph Ziggler. It's it's kind of lacking. And and don't get me wrong because I do I I do love Dolph Ziggler. He's great. Um, I was for sure interested in how this plays out because of the history Dolph and Drew have uh, as a you know former either a faction with Braun Strowman, the Dogs of War. Anybody remember that faction? I'm no, I don't blame you if you don't. Um, they were a great tag team. Uh, one of my favorite wrestling finishes I've ever seen in a match is when uh, it was a Hell in a Cell pay per view. It was Ambrose and Rollins facing Ziggler and McIntyre for the tag titles, and as Rollins was going for the Falcon Arrow. Um, he did he does the superplex into the Falcon Arrow, and then McIntyre just hits him with a claymore, and then Ziggler just like falls on top of him, like he's out and Seth's out, but like the the positioning of setting up the Falcon Arrow just was beautifully done. If you just just go look up that match, just go to the very finish of that match, and it, it's thing of it's a thing of beauty. One of my favorite finishes I've ever seen. It's just because the claymore kick is so damn good. Um, I will say, speaking of Drew McIntyre, there is uh, there are reports going on at the moment that two big matches for that were supposed to happen at SummerSlam this year, that when SummerSlam was going to be held in Boston, Massachusetts, apparently WWE wanted to do two big matches. One was Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. Two was Edge versus Randy Orton in, to blow off this entire feud. Now, unfortunately, we can't have those matches. One, because Edge tore his uh, bicep or tricep, I believe, and he's going to be out for about eight months. So we're not going to be seeing Edge for a while. And Brock Lesnar, he just doesn't want to work in the pandemic. And I can't blame him. Uh... He was. Uh, there were reports saying that he was absolutely livid at Vince McMahon at the fact that WrestleMania was still going on. In fact, that he wanted him and Drew's match to be first when they taped them. Uh, hence, why the the match was so short between Drew and Br- Brock Lesnar. And I, mean, I do believe that if the match was even that short between Drew and Brock at WrestleMania this year, if it was in front of fans, fans would be going nuts and they'd be on the edge of their seat. And I, I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, please, please, just give it to Drew. He deserves it. So the plan is right now, apparently they want to do uh, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Now, I will say, Randy Orton is on a tear right now in his career. I think as wrestling fans, at one point or another, we have all criticized Randy Orton for, oh, well, 
if Randy's not into something, it's not going to be good, and it's going to be boring, and he's just kind of be going to be on autopilot. And that's very true. If Randy Orton's not invested in something, and we can, we can, we as fans can see how visibly bored he can be. However, what he's been doing since earlier this year, you could argue that he's being the best heel in all of pro wrestling at the moment. He is that damn good. Um, and apparently. So much so that they want that WWE want to do Drew versus Randy this year at SummerSlam. Apparently, the supposed plan is that they want to do, they want to put the title on Randy and then have Orton face Edge at the Royal Rumble, and then eventually the uh, Drew will win the title back. Hopefully, this time in front of fans. I would assume that the following WrestleMania. It's not clear as to whether or not it will be Edge who's going to go in as the champion. Or if it'll be Randy Orton who's going in as a champion. But um, either match would be good. Either match would be good for, for Drew's career. I'm okay with this as long as Drew wins the title back at some point. And as long as the storylines that he's given leading up to when he eventually wins the title back are compelling storylines, are good storylines, and that ones we can get invested in. Because it's a shame that a goddamn pandemic happened when Drew McIntyre was so white hot with the crowd. I go on record to say that this year's Royal Rumble match is my favorite Royal Rumble match that has ever been done. It was absolutely perfect. Every single person in that Rumble played their role perfectly. Every single one. Leading everything Brock Lesnar destroying everybody to the point where Drew McIntyre Claymore kicks him out of the ring. They double down. He wins the Royal Rumble and Edge's return on top of that. It's just it is just magic and it's the it's the best Rumble match I've seen in years and it's my favorite Rumble match of all time. It is my personal favorite and you can fight me to the death. And I will fight to the death that I think that's the best Royal Rumble match I've ever seen in my entire life. It's that damn good. However, getting back to Drew, I just hope that with Drew, he's given good storylines and compelling storylines to when he eventually wins the title back. And, and that's what I want. I want Drew to eventually win the title back because if it does, if he doesn't, then it's like all that for nothing. And I, it, it, he absolutely deserves it. I've gone on record, I don't know how many times in this podcast, of what a big fan I am of Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, to me, is everything that Vince McMahon could want out of his ideal wrestler, his ideal top guy. Drew is charismatic, he's great in the ring, he can play heel or babyface, and he's really come into, an, into his own as that babyface character. So, I'm all for this happening if they want it to happen, I just want Drew to be booked well. I just want Drew to be handled well and to give him compelling storylines. And I know he can have great matches. We've seen him have great matches. But with WWE, you know, unfortunately, you, you worry a little bit. So moving on with a few things that happened on Monday Night Raw. Um, Shayna Baszler seems to be back to where she should be. R-Truth and Akira Dazao, I believe, had some kind of match and she just came in and she took out Kira Dezawa uh, and his ninjas while R-Truth escaped. I mean, 
you really should have been booking her like this when she came in. In fact, Becky Lynch even pitched for Shayna to beat her at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch had revealed that on the Bella Twins podcast recently. And um, as far as the other storylines for the women, I've been loving what, what Bailey and Sasha have been doing and Kyrie Sane and Asuka. So uh, Kyrie Sane and uh, Kyrie Sane and Asuka had a WWE Women's Tag Team title match against Banks and Bailey, and all of this is coming together so well. Banks and Bailey have been very entertaining, and a lot of people are speculating that they think that they're going to have this match at SummerSlam, where I think it's not going to happen at SummerSlam. I think that they're going to wait. Yes, that they're going to wait a long time and try to wait until this they have crowds again. Because we've been seeing the subtle things here and there between Banks and Bailey. There was an episode of SmackDown where uh, Bailey ha- was like down on the ground. She's holding her eye and... Sasha's wearing the SmackDown Women's Championship around her waist. She held the championship for Bailey while Bailey was wrestling. And the look she had on her face while she was holding it. Like, damn, I like this. As far as who the heel and babyface could be in this scenario, I would think it's still Bailey because to me, Bailey's doing the work of her main roster career. She's been an absolute uh, just absolutely fantastic in her role. And I think you need to continue that story with Bailey and Banks. Just have Bailey go through the entire SmackDown roster, put her on a have her go on a tear, and eventually when crowds can return. I I'm also I'm saying this as long as everything kind of goes well for us here in the States, but I think they really want to try and milk that for as long as they can. I would say milk it to to WrestleMania next year. Don't do it at SummerSlam. Do it at WrestleMania next year. Have Sasha Banks win the Women's Royal Rumble next year. Have her go on to face Bayley at WrestleMania next year. The story between these two is so well done that they could main event WrestleMania and it wouldn't feel contrived. It wouldn't feel forced. It would just feel natural because it's the story that's being told. In fact, that I think that Sasha and Asuka, I think, are going to be main eventing this Sunday for the pay-per-view. So, there is something that's going on on the main roster for WWE with the fact that you don't have Ronda Rousey, you don't have Becky Lynch, you don't have Charlotte Flair. Something has actually happened where we can actually appreciate the women's division that we have. I mean, WWE does have the best women's division overall. Whether you're talking about Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. The talent's stacked. And it took Banks, Bailey. I'm sorry. It took Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda to leave for them to realize this. Because they were making it all about Becky. And I think had crowds still been around, the fans would have 
for sure turn on Becky Lynch if they didn't already turn on Becky when she beat Shayna Baszler as quickly as she did. So in that respect, it's still really good to see what we're seeing right now with the women. They, again, this, like I said, if they did Bailey and Sasha next year, Mania for the main event, this doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like, look at the women we have, women's evolution, progression. No, it just feels natural. It feels like, yeah, this has been building, and I want to see this match, and it's been doing a, they've been doing a really, really good job of this build. And I don't know kind of what the plan will be in the future because I'm not sure what they're going to do with Asuka as far as her Raw Women's Championship reign goes. Because when you think about it, I'm not really sure what other women Asuka can necessarily feud with. I know Bianca Belair had a tag match at Ruby Riot against the Iconics because Liv Morgan hasn't been seen on television. Um... I don't know if Liv Morgan was one of those few wrestlers who tested positive for COVID-19 because a while ago the WWE had at least two dozen positive cases in coronavirus. Uh, It's not clear if whether or not she was one of those confirmed cases or if she just didn't feel comfortable coming in. But because they were building some story between Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. But uh, I think you could probably use this feud for Bianca Belair to maybe betray Ruby Riot and then build her up to face Asuka down the line. Um, it's clear that they want to do Charlotte and Asuka for SummerSlam this year. But I would say try and do Asuka and Kyrie Sane. Uh, from what I understand, uh, there's conflicting reports about whether or not I, uh, Kyrie Sane is going to be leaving the WWE or if she's going to be staying. Uh, the... Uh, the most concrete thing that I've read is that apparently Kyrie Sane is going to be leaving once her WWE contract has expired because she got married a little while ago and her husband lives in Japan. So, obviously she wants to be with her husband. She lives here. Uh, he uh, he lives in the state. Uh, he lives in Japan, and apparently she wants to leave WWE, go to Japan, wrestle for one more year, and then retire. WWE, I believe, are trying to get her to stay. They're trying to get her uh, a good offer. But if I'm Kyrie Sane, I would I would go back I would go back to my spouse. And I would you could still wrestle in Japan. She can go back to stardom. They'll take her back in a heartbeat. Um I would say just use Kyrie Sane well while you still have her and then have her face Asuka at SummerSlam. Because we should get that match at least once before Kyrie goes. Um, few things that uh that all that uh, also happened on Monday Night Raw. It seems that um on Raw Talk actually, Kyrie Sane had announced that she wants a match against Oscar for the Raw Women's Title after Oscar defeats Sasha Banks at the Horror Show. So, like I was saying. Right here, this is where you can do this match. I don't know if you want to turn Kyrie heel, but I think you could probably do something where you can have this match, build it up to SummerSlam, 
and then Asuka can win, and then whenever Kyrie's, I believe, if her contract is expired after uh, SummerSlam, because it is coming up soon, then just do that. Have Kyrie Sane uh, face Asuka at SummerSlam, have her go out with a bang, and happy trails to you, Kyrie. We're happy to have you in the WWE. Uh, now going over some other things that have been happening in WWE. If you noticed, the WWE, the Performance Center uh, trainees, NXT talent, whatever you want to call them, if you've noticed, there's something on their faces. Hmm, what is that? Oh yeah, a mask! The Performance Center talent are now wearing masks. Apparently, Kevin Owens is to thank for this. Kevin Owens talked to Vince McMahon and told him that he doesn't feel comfortable working in this environment and that he wishes that the pow- the the higher-ups did something about this, considering the rising cases of coronavirus in Florida and that WWE got hit with uh, a good number of cases. So now the rule is if you are a performance center talent, a performance center talent, you must wear a mask. If you don't wear one, you will be fined first charge five, first first time $500. If you break the rule a second time, you will be fined $1000. And I believe if you break it a third time, you will be suspended. So, I'm glad somebody did something with that. Because not everybody in the crowd, well, nobody in the crowd wore a mask. So I'm glad they're finally doing something there. I'm glad that Kevin Owens said something, and he said, look, I don't feel comfortable. I think we should be wearing masks. I think they should be wearing masks. I don't feel comfortable being here because I have my family to think about, and he may have uh, older relatives in his home. So... I'm glad that Kevin Owens said something and Kevin Owens talked to Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon says, you know what? Let's do it. So kudos to them that the crowd are wearing masks masks while the tapings are going on. However, AEW isn't exactly doing the same thing. Now I know that I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of AEW and I think what they're doing currently is uh, as a TV product is great. But not everybody in the crowd is wearing a mask. And we see some fans in attendance. We do see some fans in attendance that are like more towards the back. And they're not really too close to the ring. Because you did see some fans wearing masks, uh, a mask in the, in the crowd. But at one point when you saw Orange Cassidy come down during the segment with him in the inner circle when he was out in the crowd... The woman on his left wasn't wearing a mask, or she just had she just she had it under her chin. AEW needs to restrict, needs to be more serious with this. They need to make sure everyone is wearing a mask. They, I think personally, they should not be letting fans in attendance. Whether these people are friends of wrestlers or other employees of AEW, they should not be allowed in. 
They should not be allowed in. I don't care how far away they are. They should not be allowed in because Cassidy came in near people and so did John Moxley. They both came in through the crowd. And that's dangerous. John Moxley's real-life wife, Renee Young, just recovered from the coronavirus. His title match that he had last night at the time of his recording against Brian Cage was supposed to happen at Fighter Fest last week. Now, because we had to move it, because... Renee Young had coronavirus. And he could have contracted it and could have infected other people in, at Daly's Place and other wrestlers or colleagues of his in AEW. So AEW needs to start cracking down on this. I think they need to get rid of the fans that are there, only have the talent that you have that have been standing outside in the ring or sit, sitting in the crowd. That's fine, but don't bring outside people of your company into the arena anymore. Especially with what's going on in Florida, it is not safe. It is not safe at all. I will call out any company, regardless of how I feel about them, if I don't if I don't like something. I don't like that AEW is not making everybody wear a mask around the crowd. And I don't like that people outside like the outside people, quote unquote fans are coming into the arena. It's not a safe time for anybody. And if someone were to get to get COVID, to get sick, and seriously sick, potentially die, or even infect a loved one who has serious underlying illness or older, or who is an elderly person, that's a serious liability for, for AEW. And they don't want that on their hands. That being said, I am going to go over a little bit what happened last night on AEW, uh, not Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen. So uh, Cody, he defended the TNT Championship against Sonny Kiss. I will say I did not get to, get to see this part of AEW last night. I heard it was a pretty good match and that Cody was acting very heelish towards the end and that he even removed the turnbuckle from one of the uh, corners in the ring, even though he had the control. After the match, Sonny Kiss and Cody Rhodes had embraced each other in a hug, and he raised uh, Sonny's hand. Uh, Cody, that is. So, that that went on. Uh, FTR and the Lucha Bros had an awesome tag team match. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, FTR, to me, are kind of... They, they, are, they are such tweeners. We don't know if they're heels. We don't know if they're baby faces. It's just very much in the air with FTR, and I really, really enjoy it. Uh, we really want to see the collision course happen between the Young Bucks and FTR. Um, previously, a uh, few weeks ago, uh, FTR had come out, and they saw Omega and Paige's match against the best friends, and they went in to celebrate to, on the congratulations to the champions when they uh, retained the tag titles. FTR uh, started drinking beer along with Hangman Page. Kenny Omega, he just poured the beer out on the floor, and FTR did not like that at all. So after this match with the Lucha Bros, Kenny Omega came out. Also, the Young Bucks came out too because Butcher and the Blade stole the keys to uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler's truck. But uh, the Young Bucks took care of Butcher and Blade, got the keys back, and Kenny Omega came out kind of like, you know what, I'm sorry about what happened, but look, to to sell, to say I'm sorry, I'm going to celebrate, and here's some beer. 
Uh, I might even have one with you. So he, they had some Miller Lights. They gave them to Dax, Dax and Cash. They they toasted, but then as a like kind of big middle finger back to you, they just poured the beer on top of Kenny Omega. They just poured the beer on top of Kenny Omega. I'm like, oh damn, that was <laughs> the the Bucks had to pull Kenny back. Dax and Cash left. Um. I'm going to get into what I think about what's going a bigger story here, what's going on with FTR and the Elite in just a few minutes. Just going over a few things, other things that happened on AEW. What happened next was that we had uh, an in-ring segment, well, a segment with Chris Jericho in the inner circle saying that uh, he is the demigod, demog- I mean, his demographics god, and that AEW and him, like Tony Khan and, and Cody Rowe, uh, uh, sorry, Chris Jericho, are very heavy on saying that they keep winning the 18 to 49 demographic, which is the most important thing, apparently, in the ratings, whereas NXT the past couple weeks have won the overall ratings. But um, that's apparently a new thing that Chris Jericho is doing. He says that Orange Cassidy, the match he had with him was one of his favorites in his career, but it's never going to happen again. So they had Orange Juice... They toasted like here's here's to Orange Cass to Orange Cassidy, one for you. They drank the orange juice and one for your shitty career. And they pour the orange juice in the ring. Orange Cassidy comes out. He's walking very slowly. He hits a thumbs up, and then he slowly hits a thumbs down. And then orange juice just splashed all over the inner circle. Um, this wasn't a bad segment. It, 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 I thought it was pretty funny. I laughed a little bit here and there. Uh, just um, Ortiz just bumping and saying, I can't swim, I can't swim, and Chris Jericho yelling, get up, you idiot. That was re- I liked that a lot. That was really funny. He's like, give me a towel. I need a towel. And then the, the producer in the side of the ring threw him a towel, and it's an Orange Cassidy towel, and he just went ballistic. Um, What proceeded to happen then is that Chris Jericho was highlight of the night as far as comment- commentary goes. He just keeps screaming like, look at this, JR. Look at this. This jacket costs $7,000. And I'm all sticky. I don't know what to do here. Like, like it, was ve- it was very, very great uh, back and forth between JR and Chris Jericho. And Excalibur kept, uh, he's like, oh, no, I mean, replays are pretty. And then he, they kept showing the replay of, <laughs> of, the, uh, of the orange juice hitting the inner circle. And then I believe what happened next was Jurassic Express versus the Elite. Um, this match was a lot of fun. And this is where I'm getting to as far as the bigger picture that's going on in AEW. So when the match started, Kenny Omega never took his shirt off. And commentary, Chris Jericho specifically, was saying, I've known Kenny, Kenny Omega for a while now, and I know that when he doesn't take his shirt off, he's not taking this seriously. He's not taking Marco Stunt seriously. As much of a twerp as he is, Kenny Omega should not underestimate him. And Marco Stunt and Kenny Omega, a big size difference. But Marco Stunt was able to get one over on Kenny Omega, and he hit a couple of Hurricane Ranas. Then Omega's getting pissed, and he takes off the shirt, and now he's serious, and in comes Luchasaurus. The match was crazy acrobatic stuff. With I mean, you got the Young Bucks, J- Jungle Boy in there, so there's already going to be a crazy, uh, crazy acrobatic shit. Uh, N- uh, Nick Jackson went for the uh, 
where he went for the face buster. He jumps on the top rope and then brings his opponent down. Jungle Boy, like, stops himself with his hands and does, like, a... a kicks himself back up, like, like pushes himself up. Uh, I can't really describe it too much, but Jungle Boy is super, super athletic. I mean, the spot of the night is when uh, Luchasaurus has Nick Jackson up on his shoulders. Jungle Boy gets Marco Stunt up there to hit a Canadian Destroyer on top of Luchasaurus into the ring. Now, I got to say, the Young Bucks must have the strongest necks in pro wrestling because they've been the ones who've been taking a majority of these Canadian Destroyers. Holy shit. It's just spot after spot. And the bigger thing, the bigger picture here, Kenny Omega hits the one-winged angel on Marco Stunt for the win. While this is the match is going on, Hangman Adam Page is watching the match from a bar. Later on, who joins Hangman Page but FTR? FTR come to join Hangman Page in the bar to watch the match. Kenny Omega, after the match is over, after he's pinned Marco Stunt, he's hit the one-wing angel, he starts beating up Marco Stunt. He starts getting on top of him and punching him to the point Luchasaurus had to pull him off. The Young Bucks had to pull him off. He's like, hey, 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 it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's part of the match. It's, it is what it is. And the match is over. Like, hey, it's fine. It's fine. It's part of the match. It's fine. It's, it's cool. I'm good. I'm good. We're cool. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, shit. Heal Kenny Omega. The cleaner Kenny Omega. Now, we haven't seen Kenny Omega as a heel since New Japan. And if you didn't know who Kenny Omega was before AEW, oh my God. Go back and watch some of his heel work that he did in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is still the best work of his entire career. And I'm seeing this. We also see Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears have been out scouting people. Specifically, he's they've been out during Cody Rhodes matches and FTR matches. Cody seems to be going on a different trajectory of the elite. He doesn't seem to be associating himself with the elite anymore. Hangman Page still, even though him and Omega are the tag team champions, there's still a very clear disconnect between him and the elite. And it makes me wonder, all this stuff going on, is there a bigger picture? And there has to be. There have been rumors of a new Four Horsemen faction with Cody Rhodes, FTR, and potentially maybe Sean Spears. Sean Spears or maybe Hangman Page. A heel Kenny Omega potentially happening. Potentially a heel elite Hangman Page could align himself with FTR. Now, former guest of this podcast and my buddy John Cummings, he messaged me a while ago on Instagram and said, "What if Hangman aligned himself with the elite uh, with uh, with FTR?" And I'm like, you know, I don't think that needs to happen. I don't think it needs to happen because I think FTR and Hangman can be fine on their own. I wouldn't be against it, but I'm not sure if they do that. And then just this past Wednesday, they have that subtle tease of 
FTR coming to the coming to the bar to have a drink with Hangman Adam Page. Now it's like, oh shit, this can become a reality. I love how AEW with their long-term storytelling because if and when Omega turns heel, I want it to be a slow a slow build to the eventual heel turn. I think whether or not the original plan was to have Hangman Adam Page turn heel on Kenny, Hangman Adam Page has just been, when the crowd was around, he was white hot. Fans love Hangman Adam Page. They love him. They don't want to see him turn heel. They want to see him be this, this, uh, this, you know, this badass anti-hero babyface. Whereas Kenny Omega, I think, would benefit huge from a heel turn. In fact, a heel Kenny Omega should be the one to take the title off of John Moxley. I mean, a lot of people have complained since AEW's uh, the beginning of AEW of how Kenny Omega's been built. And to be honest, I'm not complaining. Sure, they could have done a lot more with Kenny Omega, but what if this is all for a bigger purpose? What if this is all to help get other guys over, to help get other guys like John Moxley and Pac and, and, and Chris Jericho. I mean, Chris Jericho doesn't need to be over, but at least from a main... Uh, going back to Double Nothing last year, when you're trying to solidify a company, I mean, Chris Jericho, you had to solidify him to to the fans, you know, that this guy's going to be fighting for the world championship, and they were it was, just, it was just booking. They were booking and marketing and trying to get a big marquee match for All Out later that year. Anyway, the, the point is... That a heel Kenny Omega is very much possible. A heel elite is very much possible with Kenny and the Bucks. And a, a, a new Four Horsemen faction can be possible. A partnership between FTR and Hangman Adam Page is very much possible. And I love every single second of it. It makes me want to tune in to Dynamite next week and to see what's going to happen next. Because whatever's going to happen, I'm sure it. we're all... I'm thinking about this now. We're thinking about this now. But they could go in a completely different direction. Because I think that eventually you could do if let's say Kenny Omega does take the title off of John Moxley someday as a heel, you can do Hangman Adam Page versus a heel Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship. And Hangman Adam Page has that charisma, the the backing up of the fans when you finally do that match. Because he was lacking that. He was he wasn't they tried to do that with Chris Jericho when he faced him faced off for the AEW championship and all out last year. But now he's got it. The fans love Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page is a star. And I think what you do next year, when fans are finally able to come back, I say build this all the way to all out next year. Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. Whatever the following pay-per-view may be for John Moxley. Let's say at what was the pay-per-view they had earlier this year? 
at Revolution next year, have John Moxley versus Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship. Kenny Omega beats John Moxley. And at All Out, later that year, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. The main event, two years after the first All Out, Hangman Adam Page finally becomes the AEW champion. Just did a whole friggin' fantasy booking right there. I don't know. You know, I, I, I could use a job in wrestling. You know, it would be fun. Just saying. I'd like to work from home, though. I want to come, come to Florida. Anyway, that's just what I think. I, I think that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of potential options that they could do in AEW with the with the Elite and, and FTR and this potential new Four Horsemen faction. There's a lot of potential here. And I would just, I, I'm just really excited to see what happens. I really, truly, truly am. Um, I'm not going to go too much about what happened on NXT. The only thing I kind of did see is that uh, Keith Lee uh, defeated Dominic Dijakovic in a match for both championships, the NXT championship and the North American championship. Um, I don't remember if I ever really got a chance to talk about this, but um, Keith Lee, man, Keith Lee. They're going all in on big boy Keith Lee. Uh, I did get to see Adam Cole versus Keith Lee from last week. And I got to say, it's it's right up there with one of the best matches of the year. It's right, right up there. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that they did this for Keith Lee. I'm so glad they didn't do a, a carrying cross interference. But I did like that him and Scarlett were watching from 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 high up, and that you know clearly that's what they want to do at some point down the line. Carrying versus Keith Lee, um, they definitely want to push Carrying Cross to the moon. I don't know what they'll do. I don't know if it'll be for both titles. I don't know if it'll be for the North American or the NXT Championship, but I will say this. I would think it would be best to do it with the NXT Championship somewhere down the line. I know Keith Lee just won the titles, but I think Karrion Cross is the one to defeat Keith Lee for at least the NXT Championship. Then just have Keith Lee go on a tear. I'm sorry, Karrion Cross go on a tear and take out everybody in the NXT roster until Tommaso Ciampa comes back. And takes back Goldie. Because Tommaso Ciampa put up a very interesting Instagram post a while ago. Saying that he misses 2018 Tommaso Ciampa. That he misses that Tommaso Ciampa. Where he had the world at his fingertips. And now he's being told that creative has nothing for him. I think that this could very much be a work. Very much be a work and could play into his story. Because... When you think about Tommaso Ciampa, you think about him with the NXT Championship. You can't picture Tommaso Ciampa not being a picture for uh, in the title picture for the NXT title because that's what he cares about most. It's Goldie. That's what he loves. And it's like if he loves that so much, it's like if you see Tommaso Ciampa in any other program, it's like, well, why isn't Tommaso Ciampa fighting for the NXT Championship if that's if that's his most prized possession, if that's the most important thing to him in NXT, why is he not facing uh, fighting the champion for that championship? 
So that makes total sense. I think taking Tommaso Ciampa off TV for the time being. And that's like the whole thing of Tommaso Ciampa's character is that, again, the, the, the NXT Championship is the most important thing to him. It is his life. The title means that title means more than anything to him in wrestling and it's to him it's the most important championship there is so I think at a, at a future takeover we're going to see Karrion Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa where Tommaso Ciampa he finally wins back the NXT championship but a lot of rumor and innuendo as to what's going to happen with the former NXT champion Adam Cole. Well, the powers that be in WWE, they want Adam Cole in the main roster. Um, he uh, Apparently, uh, they are willing to bring the Undisputed Era up to the main roster to Raw or SmackDown. There's a spot for all of them, and they're willing to have uh, Undisputed Era there and push them. The only thing is, is that apparently not all the members of the Undisputed Era are too keen on going up to the main roster, and they're very much happy just staying in NXT, and they'd rather be in NXT. I mean, when you look at previous call-ups from NXT to the main roster, you can't blame the Undisputed Era. You can't blame them for not wanting to go to Raw or SmackDown, but at the same time, they for sure want Adam Cole to go. So the question is, do they break up the Undisputed Era? Do they bring Adam Cole up on his own and me personally no don't break up the undisputed era i i know that it's probably i, I if i i was if i selfishly booking i would keep adam cole and the undisputed era together forever in nxt but Adam Cole is so damn good that eventually he's going to go to the main roster. Eventually he's going to go to Raw and SmackDown. And he's done everything he can possibly do. He's been in NXT for almost three years now, I believe. Yeah, in August it'll be three years since he made his debut. He's done everything. He's he's a triple crown winner. He's held the tag titles. He's the first ever North American champion. He's the longest reigning NXT champion in the brand's history. Adam Cole has done everything in NXT. He's done everything he could possibly do. So why wouldn't he go to the main roster? I understand. I mean, we as fans know. Oh, shit. Here we go. Let's see how far this goes. There's very, very rare rare cases in where an NXT call-up does very successful after they've called up. The few people who are on that list are guys like are people like Charlotte Flair and Seth Rollins. Excuse me. So... I understand whoever may feel this way in the Undisputed Era that they don't want to go up to the main roster because they're content with what's going on. I understand that. But from a fan perspective, I don't want to see the Undisputed Era split up. I don't want to see Adam Cole go up to the main roster on his own just yet. I think there's still a lot of potential for the Undisputed Era to just lay waste to the WWE. What we saw in NXT... Them holding all the championships, the NXT title, the North American title, the tag titles. I believe that it can happen on Raw or SmackDown. I truly believe that. Because they, again, they are that damn good. 
I think Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are probably the best tag team WWE has overall. Adam Cole is a top. Can you can build the company around Adam Cole? You can make him a top guy. Roderick Strong is absolutely phenomenal. Will he ever be in the top title title picture? In the top picture and the top of the card? I don't know. I think he should because he is that damn good. But will the creative team see him that way? I don't know. I mean, I said in an episode coming up that I'll be having up pretty soon with Joe about tag team wrestling that, again, that era could tear it up with so many different teams with with the Usos, with the New Day, uh, with... I'm blanking on other tag teams in WWE at the moment. Uh, I mean, Andrade and, and uh, Angel Garza... Mur- uh, Murphy and Rollins, Murphy and Austin Theory, uh, the Viking Raiders, you know, even though they've tangled with them in the NXT before. But the point is, you can build the tag division around O'Reilly and Fish and just one brand around those guys. And I think it would be a foolish thing to not have those guys go up together. Because right now, they need a group like Undisputed Era. The main roster needs a group like the Undisputed Era because the ratings are very low at the moment. They've hit a record low for the ratings for Raw this past week. I believe it was 1.56 million viewers. And I believe that's the lowest in its history, or at least in the past 30 years. I think Undisputed Era should go to Raw they should go in, again, go on a tear, and eventually put all the titles on all those guys. Because what better way to say these guys are a big deal by put, making every single one of them a champion? That's what I think, and I hope that at some point they do bring up Undisputed Era together. I, I'm just, I mean, it's going to be, the thing is also, it is going to be a big gap. It is going to be a big gap in in NXT. It makes you wonder what's going to happen. There are still a lot of great talent in there. I mean, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are never going anywhere. They're not going to go to Raw or SmackDown. You still have Keith Lee right now, who's dual champion. Karrion Cross, um, Drake Maverick, who is a great underdog babyface. Finn Balor is still there. Uh, Damian Priest is doing really well. So you, uh, Timothy Thatcher, you still have a lot of solid talent there in the NXT roster. It's just time for certain guys and girls to step up, to step up to the plate. And I think it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding process for NXT, but I think we're gonna they're going to be fine overall. I think we're going to get into right now the predictions for both Slammiversary and the horror show at Extreme Rules. Now, I will go on and say, I really don't watch Impact Wrestling. I've never really watched Impact Wrestling. I've never really watched TNA all that much in my life. But with the buzz around this show and the potential uh, people that could p- appear, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty huge. So... We're going to go through the show here. We're going to go through some of the matches. Uh, the Radicals, Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier are going to be in a tag team match against a team that is to be determined. 
Um, I think we're pretty sure who we know this tag team is going to be. At least I do. Because a recent tag team has been reported that they have, they have signed with... It's reported that they have signed with Impact Wrestling and that they can go work in New Japan once travel restrictions are lifted. That's right. I'm talking about Don Gallows and the machine gun Carl Anderson. I think they're going to be the team that's going to be the mystery team and they will beat the Radicals in this match. We have a... Uh, an old school rules match for the unsanctioned TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Moose! 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 The TNA Heavyweight Champion versus Tommy Dreamer. I know Moose doesn't do that anymore, but that's what I liked about Moose, and that's why I know about Moose. Um, I will say Moose. Uh, just, again, not really sure. I don't really see Tommy them putting that belt on Tommy Dreamer. Uh Moose just kind of proclaimed himself the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, yeah, so just Moose, I guess. Uh, tag team match for the Impact Tag Team Titles: The North, Ethan Page, and Josh Alexander, ver- the champions versus Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan. Um, again, I'm not sure how that partnership came to be. I thought Sam- I thought Sammy Callahan had a faction. Um, I guess not. Um. I will probably say uh, the North. I'll say the North. I'll say Ethan Page and Josh Alexander because I see more money in Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan having a match against each other rather than them being a tag team. And Plus, I hear the North is a very, very good tag team. So we have a gauntlet match. A uh, gauntlet for the gold match to determine the number one contender for the Impact, Impact Knockouts Championship. Alicia Edwards versus Havoc versus Kira Hogan versus Kimberly versus Kylie Ray versus Neva versus Madison Rain versus Rosemary versus Susie versus Tasha Steeles versus Taya Valkyrie. Um, I actually know a good number of these women in this match. I know Taya Valkyrie, uh, Rosemary I'm actually a big fan of when she was doing the the stuff with uh, the Broken Hardy stuff with... Uh, with uh, I think Decay was the faction with with Abyss I think that that faction what it was called Madison Rain I know Kylie Ray obviously I know her from uh, AEW uh, I actually have Kylie Ray's autograph I remember I got a thing with uh, I think it was a sale going on it said like you save twenty percent off and you get an authentic authentic authentic, bleh, authentic autograph I can't talk tonight uh, with I got the Inner Circle shirt and then it got Kylie Ray's autograph I'm like oh cool. Uh, and I know I've heard of Kimberly and uh, Ty Valkyrie, obviously, and Kira Hogan. Um, I'm not sure who could face uh, who this could be, but I'm kind of going to play with my prediction for uh, the women's match here. But I'm going to say, I'm going to go on a limb and say Kylie Ray. I'm gonna say Kylie Ray. Uh, I like Kylie Ray a lot. I was I was bummed that she left AEW, but it's good to see that she's back to work and she's working in Impact. So I'm gonna say Kylie Ray, mainly because I mean I'm not sure, but I just like Kylie Ray, so I'm just gonna go with her. Uh, we have a singles match for the Impact X Division Championship: Willie Mack, the champion, versus Chris Bay. Okay, now we're getting into territory of Impact wrestlers. I have no idea who they are, uh, but I know nothing about these guys, but I'm just going to say, uh, I'm going to say Willie Mack, uh, retains, uh, 
yeah, that that's pretty much it. Uh, next, which is the match that the main reason why I would be watching Slammiversary this Saturday, um, and that is for the Impact Knockouts Championship, the champion Jordan Grace versus the the virtuosa Diana Perazzo. Um, I have said before what a big fan I am of Diana Perazzo and just how good she is in the ring. Uh, a fellow New Jerseyan like myself, uh, I'm going to be going with Diana Perazzo because when I saw when she appear, she made her, I guess, re-debut in Impact Wrestling because she did debut a few years ago. It was kind of like the shy character. Um, I-, I say Diana Perazzo. I, I think she said in an interview with Vicky Guerrero on her podcast recently, Vicky Guerrero's podcast, that is, that she's not currently signed, I don't think, to an Impact contract. Um, but she's kind of getting her feet wet. But I think they're going to put the title on her. I think they'll give her a contract, and I think she will become the new Impact, uh, the new Impact Knockouts champion. Um and I'm really looking forward that it's against Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace, again, uh, well, she is another girl who I'm a big fan of. I've said that Jordan Grace could, uh, a while ago during uh, when AEW had just started, I said her, like girls like her and Tessa Blanchard could really change the game as far as the women's division over there. And I still think at some point we could see Jordan Grace over in AEW or maybe Deanna Brazo over in AEW. But for now, they're an impact. For now, they are in this huge, huge spotlight of a match at Impact's one of their biggest, arguably their biggest uh, pay-per-view of the year. Uh, but I'm going to go with Deanna Perrazzo, and I'm looking forward to this match probably the most out of any other match this weekend. And finally, a fatal four-way for the vacant Impact World Championship. We have Ace Austin versus Eddie Edwards versus Trey versus a mystery opponent. So originally, this was supposed to be, I believe, a fatal five-way or five-way match for the Impact Championship. And I think there still was going to be a mystery opponent. Actually, no. The original match was the competitors I just mentioned, Tessa Blanchard and Michael Elgin. Uh, Michael Elgin was fired from Impact Wrestling due to the spe- uh, the allegations made against him. Um, and I guess most of those allegations becoming more truthful. Uh, he was released from his contract. Tessa Blanchard was released from her contract. Um, I explained in an episode previous that she was released from her contract, but she was also the Impact uh, World Champion. So now they've decided to make it a fatal four-way match, and it's going to be for the vacant Impact World Championship. Now, if I have to guess, I'm going to say the mystery opponent is going to be the one winning the championship. Exactly who will win this championship? I am kind of figuring this out right now. They're teasing heavy for all these wrestlers who were released by WWE. You know, Mike and Maria Kanellis were were teased. Gallows and Anderson were teased. EC3 was teased. Uh, Heath Slater has been teased. But um, I'm really not sure. But I'm going to go with a safe bet, and I'm going to say EC3. I'm going to say EC3 is going to be the final competitor, and I think EC3 will walk out with the impact championship this coming Saturday. And next, we have the horror show at Extreme Rules. Uh, This coming Sunday. 
So we're going to start things off with Apollo Crews versus MVP for the new uh, design of the United States Championship. I'll go on record here and say that I was kind of in the minority as far as what the championship looked like. At first, I was kind of like, hmm, not sure how I feel about that. For me, it's mainly the placement of the word champion. But overall, it's a much better title belt than the what they had pre, uh, previous. Um, I personally think the Intercontinental Championship sh- Championship should never have been changed. And that the U.S. title, again, needed a new look. But, um, but hey, they, they actually did a pretty good job. I, it's, I've warmed up to the title now. Uh, but it's MVP versus Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews defending the title. Um, I'm going to go with Apollo Crews here. Um, I don't think MVP needs the championship. I know he's. I think he's been killing it with Bobby Lashley, and I hope this so, so uh, this faction that they're trying to build uh, grows. Um, I hope Cedric Alexander joins, uh, but I'm going to go with Apollo Crews here. This is kind of like a safe bet, and I think maybe they'll build towards maybe Bobby Lashley and Apollo Crews at SummerSlam. That's what I kind of see happening. Uh, next up, we have Bailey versus Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, I'm gonna go with Bailey here. It's the it's it's the safe and most and it's the most uh, obvious of answers here. Uh, Bailey, I mean, I. Again, it's it's going to come down to that match between her and Sasha. It's just a matter of when WWE want to do that match. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bailey to pick up the victory. Uh, and sticking with the women, we're going to go with Asuka versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Asuka defending the title against Sasha. Um, I'm again. I'm going to go with Sasha Banks. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Asuka. No, I'm going to go with Asuka uh, to defeat Sasha Banks. In this match, uh, again, build same. Just going into building that long story with Sasha Banks and and Bailey to eventually go and uh, have their long-awaited singles feud and that match. That whenever we may get it, uh, but I think we're gonna get Oscar uh, is gonna retain. Um, I can most likely see Sasha getting involved to help Bailey retain the title. I can see Bailey getting involved as well, but maybe kind of inadvertently cost Sasha the match and kind of start a little bit of uh, dissension in their group, in their tag team. But who knows? We will see. Next, um, we're going to be having a Wyatt Swamp fight between the Universal Champion Braun Strowman and cult leader Bray Wyatt. Um... I'm going with Bray Wyatt here because I think it's going to be the Fiend versus Bray, uh, the Fiend versus uh, Braun Strowman, and I this is definitely going to be a cinematic match. I think that the Fiend's going to show up at some point and maybe distract Braun, and that's how Bray kind of gets the win. Um, I hope this is good. I'm looking forward to with Bray Wyatt in these cinematic matches. It's it's going to be more fun. That rather than, you know, what I'm about to do next and mention next, uh, just but but point blank, uh, I think Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt will win. The Fiend will interfere. We'll both see Bray Wyatt and the Fiend appear on screen in this cinematic match, and that's how Bray Wyatt will 
uh, get his title match against Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam as The Fiend. And next we have, Jesus Christ, Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. You know, ordinarily I'd be very excited for a match like this. But it's called an eye for an eye match. The match can only be won when one competitor extracts an eye of their opponent. No, I did not make that up. I'm not kidding. Those are the rules that WWE put in place for this match. So you have to imagine it's going to be another cinematic match. Um, I'm going with Seth Rollins here because... Rey Mysterio currently isn't working under a WWE contract. This could be how you kind of write Rey off of television. And Rey Mysterio, like, he already kind of has one patch over his mask in wrestling. I can't see Seth Rollins wearing a mask for the rest. I'm sorry, an eye patch for the rest of his career. Uh, just the whole concept is very, very stupid. Um... I think had you just had Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio have a normal match or an Extreme Rules match, I think this would have been real much, much better. I mean, there, there, there are no Extreme Rules matches on this card at all, which surprises me. But um, Seth Rollins and I think maybe Rey, this will probably be writing Rey off of television at this point since he's not currently working under a contract. Um, uh, next, it's not necessarily listed on here, but I think they've mentioned on SmackDown. Uh, Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy, I think in a, a bar fight brawl or something. Uh, I'm going to say Jeff Hardy because this feud needs to end. Uh, this feud needs to end. Jeff Hardy, this feud between him and, and Sheamus has been just god-awful. Uh, it's been questionable at best, and I really, really just wanted this to end. Just have Jeff Hardy get his win, move on to somebody else, and just have do, do something interesting with Jeff Hardy, for God's sakes. He's Jeff freaking Hardy. Like, he was he's a popular name you have in the WWE. Everybody knows who Jeff Hardy is. Just do something smart and compelling with him, for God's sakes. Um, but anyway, moving on to what to the last match I have here. Not sure if it's going to be the main event. I personally think it's going to be Asuka and Sasha. But anyway, it's Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship in a match that is to be determined because Dolph Ziggler still has yet to announce what the stipulation will be. Obviously, he's probably going to announce it the night of the pay-per-view. But obviously, I'm going with Drew. This is just this is just kind of a filler feud. Um, I think the match will be pretty good. It could be match of the night. We don't know. But it's definitely got that potential. Um, as far as what I think the match is going to be, Drew Drew's obviously going to win. But as far as what the match is going to be, I'm just going to be keep it simple, and it's probably going to be like an Extreme Rules match. It's probably going to be an Extreme Rules match because there is no Extreme Rules match on the entire card. So that's what I think. The Extreme Rules: Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre. Drew obviously wins. Anyway, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
Uh, if you haven't already, please make sure you are subscribed. Please leave a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at TNAWP. Like us on Facebook at The Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at The Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Be sure you're listening to us on any of your fine podcast formats, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Podbean, uh, wherever you can find your podcast uh, uh, formats. If you go to Anchor.fm, uh, type in the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You will have a complete and total list of where you can find us on any podcast platform. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're all doing well, staying safe. I've been CJ Palmasano, and I'll see you next time.